0: welcome to episode 24 check out what we have in store for you this week um one of my favorite tv shows right now um what? it's just it's perfection in tv oh, yeah, form i'm a
1: map i'm a map i'm a map, map. A... Is not like tour it four is it i'm a map i don't i'm the map i don't, <laughs> I don't know but i don't know you just Sorry. like i'm
0: usually the one that sings and <laughs> yeah, so you just i don't do it I, often. Like, that's I don't perfect. do it very often. that's it's, perfect you know? In the context of a classroom, it's the safest place for you and students to learn about the hardest subjects. That's right, we're back. It's another week of the high-tech podcast. It is Will here with Josh. You here with me? Hello, I am here. (laughs) We have a check check and a check and everything is good to go. Uh, This is episode 24. Are you, can you believe it? 24 episodes. I we I mean, you know we just started uh, off we, with the idea like we could do this right and it's yeah it's like i it would have
1: known i would live this long yeah. you know?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know Who frankly knows?
0: our life expectancy has gone up since we've had these conversations around our wives less yes that's you know, true a direct correlation
1: that 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 is very true they get to hang out with each other too yeah you know they're like little powwows i'm
0: I'm expecting that at least once i've missed them in the editing and they've come through on the microphone like people have heard them downstairs or in your place like making laughs making jokes yeah whatever they're doing they're gonna be they're gonna be happy to be referenced in this episode again yeah they will be
1: yeah if, if if my wife will definitely at least hear this at some point i don't know if yours will ever start listening
0: but <laughs> she's she's not a fan she's just you know it's, i get it's it fine. it's fine you know she, she might it's listen fine. to episode she's, 19 she she's probably
1: me. gonna listen to this one and then i'm gonna be in trouble um, exactly so yeah so if you're if you're listening i'm sorry
0: it's all good everybody's we're, it's all fine so this <laughs> week we wanted to start things out uh with a pretty simple question to ourselves what was yeah. your first cross-cultural experience? Now of course this could just be something down the street, but I think Josh and I are more thinking like yeah. international or yeah. big picture. You know, so I mean,
1: sure, I guess technically, I mean down the street was my friend's house and uh
0: yeah, anvil really, not not much really going like on cross-cultural. there. Cross-cultural.
1: Yeah. It was like, "Oh, you also eat hamburgers." Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, like that was, that, was, that was it. That was it was the thing. Um so yeah, no, I mean we're thinking like we're thinking out of the country. You know, I guess technically out of state could be a little bit cross-cultural. We live in the city. In our area, going down the street could be cross-cultural. Uh, it depends. Um, yeah. But I do think we're thinking kind of out of the country. So I'll let, I'll let you go with this one first, buddy. Uh, your, uh, <sighs> your first cult- cross-cultural
0: experience. experience. Well done. Yes, you got yeah. it. All of that came uh, I was 11 years old. I went to the country of Haiti. Um, It was my first time. We went three times overall, each time for uh, almost two weeks. I think one was just a little bit over two weeks, but we were there to build orphanages, work on orphanages. And I'll tell you, as an 11 year old, I remember one of the first questions I was asking my parents when we were preparing to go is like, can I take my Game Boy? (laughs) like can you imagine right and i did not end up taking it of course but uh you know it's like that was that was my perspective as an 11 year old heading to haiti and afterwards i was like but why but why don't these people have food why don't they have game? (laughs) can can i sell my game boy and help them (laughs) what do i have to do i'll send all my shirts And, and you know a very impactful experience though i mean i i don't know that everybody at 11 years old is getting kind of hit with the crushing reality of poverty and and um oh that's so like a
1: natural thing at 11 isn't it's I, like I was a little slow at, wasn't i wasn't it like at, nine yeah it's at 10 <laughs> you experience new foods for the first time at 11 you experience the crushing reality of poverty <laughs> at 12 you experience the crushing reality of you know losing a pet
0: uh, i don't know <laughs> like, too soon i think that's that would have been perfect actually for when my first dog got run over
1: oh i'm sorry
0: well done um <laughs> But, you know, I think there's just a lot in those experiences that stands out to me is is what it shaped my perspective as a person. And I was pretty young, of course, but it it really did give me some life lessons that stood with me. And I do remember um, sending down some shirts and stuff like that to to be shared at the orphanages and going down one of the three times and seeing a kid like wearing one of the shirts and really being impacted by the fact of like. You know, folks, there are a lot of small things we can do out there, and there are a lot of big things we can do out there, and, and both are worth doing. You know, you got a million dollars, donate mm. it to something. But if you if you have a T-shirt or a cup to donate, it's also still going to help someone. So I, it just really stood out to me at 11 years old, mm. and, and some of those lessons uh, I think even impact me today. What about you? Okay.
1: So um, I went – we gotta be honest guys we, we knew how this was gonna go <laughs> um mine, mine was also haiti i did not go with will okay um i went much later actually so i did not do a lot of like over like i did not go out of the country really much until i was like 18 um no i traveled a ton i was in a band so i, I traveled a lot of different states in the u.s and things like that and uh, uh we almost tried to tour in the philippines once so <laughs> That's um a good one. but that didn't actually happen so um I just, I never went over, I had never went out of the country before then. So we, uh, my dad helped with an organization also that had an orphanage, that had a specific orphanage they ran down there that he had been down there several times. Um, and, uh, so actually my wife, who was just my girlfriend at the time, and I went down with a group of people and my dad, um, and yeah, similar, I mean, similar stuff. I, I had come face to face with more poverty stuff before then it's turning into like a poverty conversation, but, um, the uh so that wasn't necessarily like earth shattering for me when i got there um yeah. i think it was just like it was a new experience for me being in just like a completely different culture yeah um like i you'll remember this like I, like i just remember getting off the plane into the airport and i use airport loosely <laughs> um and it was just like it was a totally different experience it was like yeah. a garage um that i that i come off and people holding fully automatic weapons and uh Like, uh, it was just a completely different experience, but wonderful people there. There was a guy who kind of helped run the orphanage and some things that we stayed with. And then we we basically just, like, hung out with the kids a lot and played uh, with them and kind of just chilled and did some stuff. And while we were there, a couple of us went out to, like, on trips to, like, get stuff for the orphanage because we were sponsors of the orphanage. So they would send groups down every so often from the company that ran it, uh, the organization nonprofit, so that people could check in and see how things were going and make sure. Essentially, you know, hand uh, money because Haiti's not known for its. Um, no,
0: you don't. You don't send money. situations.
1: Uh... <laughs> so, um, so you'd go down. You know, like get stuff. I still, I still remember. I think one of my favorite experiences were like sitting in a truck, and this guy comes up to us with a whole bunch of knives. To this guy and me, <laughs> that are sitting in the truck, and uh, he tries to sell us these knives. And he's like, he's Haitian, like clearly Haitian, but he can speak English. Um, but like, he's trying to convince us to see, like from like Colorado i'm <laughs> trying to sell us knives we're like dude you are not from colorado i don't no yeah. you're not <laughs> nice like try. so um but uh yeah i don't the i think the thing that stands out to me the most was just like yeah just completely different society haiti has been yeah. very hurt by a lot of things um and it was definitely one of my first experiences in a while up until i went to like israel and a couple other places where like i really was in a place where like everybody spoke a different language than i did um, you were the minority and, you were the outsider yes, yeah and there were moments that they were clearly laughing at my my uh my lame whiteness yeah. um <laughs> so um and uh which was it was totally fine it was like the first it was the first experience like being with a bunch of haitian kids yeah um if i did something stupid um, I didn't necessarily know I did something stupid other than I knew that they were probably laughing at me, but I don't know why. And I you just no had to laugh and roll with just it. just to laugh <laughs> with them. And they were great kids. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a cool
0: experience. Uh, Haiti was actually too, my first time meeting some meeting people, you know, significantly that, that spoke more than one language. You know, I didn't grow up in yeah, an true. area that people spoke by you know, two languages. So almost all the Haitians we, we connected with it, unless they were really young, um, or really old, um, spoke English and or Creole. Uh, but then I also got to meet somebody there uh, who was a part of the, like, hotel that we were staying at and stuff. He spoke four languages, and it was it was just, like, so amazing amidst all mm-hmm. of it to meet these people who could speak all these languages and kind of – I was bummed, you know, that in, in the United States context, you take a class of French, you take a class of Spanish, you, like, you never yeah. get to uh, f- any sort of functional fluency, so – I don't know. I think that there's a lot of good opportunities there um, in the cross cultural experiences. I know that growing up, my dad used to say that he wishes he wished um, that cross cultural experiences be a part of like high school graduation or at least college graduation. Like everybody should do it. It is really valuable. And I know that um, even a lot of the per- perspectives and opinions I hold today about um, people in the states people you know in the global context are informed by the fact that i like i grew up knowing that i wasn't the only majority right like yeah here i am a majority absolutely i fit into the the stereotype or the demographic for what is the the major pe- people population in the united states but in haiti i was a minority and in you know in different places I've been in in the world even if it's not about skin color or whatever like if you just don't speak the language or if you're not a part of the culture if you don't know what it is to be kind of native to these places you you are the outsider and it's it's really I think important to have those experiences to humble yourself to know um, yeah. what other people who in the minority contexts and are being hurt in the minority contexts are experiencing yeah you can
1: almost say it helps us learn how to include people better <gasps> you know like being it would being in a in a experience where we feel like the the excluded the outsider helps us understand how to bring people in
0: absolutely how to include
1: them better
0: not to belittle it right it's not like yeah. we're not trying to like reduce this to something too simple but a practice of being more inclusive and creating in our case today, a more inclusive classroom, um, a practice and that is first ex- experiencing what it is to be outside, you know, knowing what it is to like see the other side's perspective and and just know that you want to see, be able to read things in your own language. You want to be able to speak to people who sound like you. You want to be able to hang out with people who yeah. look like you. Like that's valuable on so many levels culturally. And I, I think that um, the inclusive classroom, we're, you know, pivoting here into the, kind of the, the main topic for today but the inclusive classroom um doesn't need to be representative of just the body of students you have right the inclusive classroom does not mean if all of your students are one demographic then an inclusive classroom is teaching them what it is to be about themselves i don't think that that's necessarily what we're trying to say inclusivity is right like yeah but if you have homogenous group where you have students who are all very similar it's really still important to identify what differences there are in those students and advise them of what more there is out there beyond themselves because in the context of a classroom it's the safest place for you and students to learn about the hardest subjects right yeah. it's a place for good thought free thought um, the opportunity to ask hard questions and work through important things. And so in an inclusive classroom, we want to make sure that we want to ad- advocate today that um, if students need you know, help because of disabilities, if students need help because of second languages, if students need help because of cultural differences, if it does come down to uh, poverty and class issues, like there's so much that goes into making a classroom inclusive um, that I think we want to make sure we find some good ideas and advocate for those today and how you yeah. can be doing that in your classroom
1: yeah now i'll throw out this preface guys as we talk about this because obviously like unless you didn't read the title and you just clicked on the episode which if you did um hats off to you you like us <laughs> yeah. enough you didn't even read what we were
0: talking well about. done that's uh golf, well clap. Done. golf clap. um golf
1: clap um obviously we're talking about like how how to foster an inclusive classroom right um now we're gonna be talking about this from both a digital and physical classroom standpoint i think the name title of this said episode sometimes leads you to believe just like the in-classroom experience but i think there's places to talk about both of them i will throw out this preface um we are just two people who are coming at this from a certain angle there are a lot of different angles that this could be come at from i'm sure there's things we're not going to be talking about i'm sure there are things we're missing um we're not including people perfectly in our inclusive classroom (laughs) conversation so um just uh you know deal with us um work with us um and feel free to toss out ideas of things that you know we didn't cover in this episode because we only allow ourselves like 30 40 minutes so um obviously <laughs> Can't we got a it whole all. we got a whole app to show you too so we don't have time to get through everything but we're um,
0: also uh, honest and humble enough to be challenged so don't yeah. if it's not just something where you think that we've um Uh, omitted something you wish we would have talked about or you feel like we we missed the mark on something let us know we we're genuine about this we care we want to see ourselves improve we want to see others improve so we're
1: just figuring this out like everybody else so i think it's uh this is coming out from a certain direction but let's let's take those directions so let's let's talk about a couple different of our spaces so i think there are two two spaces that you and i have kind of landed on and when we have this conversation usually we're talking about how to how to foster an inclusive classroom. I think the immediate reaction is in classroom experience. Okay. Right. How do we create this inclusive classroom? The problem is there's a whole nother realm that we often deal with in high tech a lot as well, obviously, which is this uh, digital classroom online space. And there are ways to create that place. There are inclusive digital courses. There are courses that are not inclusive. Yep. Um, and uh, so how do we make that space Look, how do we foster inclusivity in there? I think let's deal with that first. Let's deal with the digital first. And we'll talk about the in classroom experience uh, here in a second.
0: Ironically, my experiences in the digital classroom um, or just the digital kind of um, melting pot experience start when I was about 13. I was working on a couple of different websites at that time with people who were in New York, uh, London. West Coast, Midwest in the United States. Ooh, fancy! And and I just remember that for a thirteen-year-old being interesting, like to to wrestle with different perspectives, different desires. Who's coming from which angle, or not? Um, one of my favorite TV shows right now, Ted Lasso. Um, what? It's just no. it's perfection in TV you hated form. That show. It just it, it does a really good job of acknowledging what a lot of people see as stereotypes in personality and peoples across groups. But in in this one episode, somebody comes up to him, another player, and says something fairly curt, and the response is, it's okay, he's not trying to be offensive, he's just Dutch. Now, again, that is a stereotype, that is an oversimplification, but what the moment tried to go for is that this person wasn't trying to be mean, this person was being honest and direct. And there was no intent behind it. So something that you can see there in a physical context is you, people can talk, read body language, whatever, but that stuff happens online all the time. Yes. And w- just go to the discussion forum. You've talked, we've talked about the discussion forum plenty of times, right? But if you can imagine, uh, as Josh does, has at his institution, I've experienced it there and I've experienced it at my other institutions. If you put national and international people in the same discussion forum, there's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be what? people. No. Not just like, Ridiculous. Oh, I don't like your idea. And then it gets, you know, yeah. a little harried, Like, if you got people who are in urban cultures versus rural cultures in the same course, they're going to have different perspectives. I remember seeing a discussion forum in one of the courses at Josh's institution when I worked there where somebody broke out into a pretty deep debate about Republican Democrat, just that. And it had nothing to do in the end with the topic of the content. <laughs> Who would have thought
1: that would break out a hot topic conversation?
0: Yep, but we're really
1: it, so civil about those things. It
0: was definitely across those <laughs> constituents. We had some urban students working in classes with rural students, and and they were representative of their their political stances, and it and it became difficult to work with that. So yeah. now the instructor, what would normally see that stuff happen in the physical classroom. This is kind of us speaking again to why the digital needs to be. Um, thought of in this inclusive space is the instructor is not there immediately when that starts to happen Mm -hmm. the instructor might not come back until that debate is done and people have effed each other and cussed each other and this each other you know what I mean like we we can stop that in a classroom but online you have to be wary of of your prompts and your assignments that could cultivate those kinds of situations
1: so i think let's uh this brings me to a you know a first takeaway right that um now we're not going to have their let me let me preface this when we talk about digital inclusivity and we talk about like online classrooms um and uh and we keep calling them online classrooms but i mean like online courses online spaces right that you're working on um guys there are a million ways we could deal with this inclusivity so we're not going to get on all of these topics we don't have the time but i think one that's a very easy thing is just thinking through Um, Things we recommend to instructors all the time and things that we do when we set up our online courses in our space is if you're going to have stuff like discussions, right, or student interaction, um, setting guidelines ahead of time for what that student interaction should look like um, and being clear about it, kind of having agreed, I think, classroom. You would do this in classroom. So, like, I think, like, agreed course kind of policies and conduct for how we're going to – etiquette of how we're going to deal with discussions that of itself is going to at least set you some grounds to have a conversation or you know post an announcement or something in that situation where things maybe got out of hand just to say hey guys remember you know we want to you know these types of conversations but having that preface to also kind of get that in the minds of your students um, and I think uh, replicating that as an instructor um, taking time to um hear out other ideas and opinions and not just like shutting down a student in the discussion um unless they're like being way out of line um but i've seen so many times an instructor who maybe doesn't agree with the student's post and just like tears that student apart in front of every single student on that discussion um and it's like you wouldn't do that in the classroom don't don't do that in the digital space hopefully like like hopefully maybe you do and then we will have that conversation here in a second we talk about in classrooms, but um (laughs) Like that's, so I just think that like guidelines and displaying a lot of an online classroom for me, on my courses comes down to use the instructor displaying what you expect the students to do when they're in the courses. And I think a discussion space is a perfect example of that, yeah. um, is displaying that to the students and having conduct ahead of time so that you can use that to address issues that come up, um, inside your discussions.
0: Another digital thing, uh, big practice. Uh, here's another, you know, takeaway number two when you are dealing with these systems, so many of them are fed by databases on databases on databases. So you get into your learning management system for the first time, instructor. You log into your course, you see your roster, and you look at John, Bill, Susie, uh, you know, Priya, and and Siddharth, and you've got um,
1: Batman. <laughs> Sorry. Batman. You've got all
0: <laughs> these names in there. You take it as you know, uh, the Bible, you take it as like, that's, that's fact, right? Every name that you see is, is legitimate and every institution is different about this. So I would just encourage you, uh, you know, you, you know, at your institution, if these names are accurate and correct or not. But today we also want to be sensitive to the fact that there are people who are regularly for more than one reason, changing their names legally, right. Mm-hmm. And taking on different, um, persona. And that is them. Uh, that is their journey. That is beautiful. That is a representative of who they are want to be. And I think that it's, Uh, an easy practice in digital classrooms to do something in week one where you ask the students to introduce themselves by their preferred names. Yeah. Just that, and then use it. it, Yeah. Don't, you don't need to cloud that with any political statements, any political, don't even ask them why they go by whatever name they go by. They are welcome to disclose that, right? But um, I know someone in my community whose first name legally is something traditional, and they go by a name that is just a noun of an object in, in the world. I'm like, hey, cool. I, th- th- there's no reason why. This person isn't identified explicitly as transgender. This person has not identified explicitly as um, you know, trying to hide from their family or some sort of up- upset background. That's just their choice. They've chosen to go by this separate name. And I'm going to respect that. And it's very easy in a digital context where all these names are fed to you from their legal names, which aren't easy to change in these systems. Josh and I trust us. We know we wish we could make them more effective. I
1: get regular complaints about it. You know, it's not. We both know um, how how to fix it, too. People think it is. Yeah, um, we know how to fix it. But uh, it's not perfect. (laughs) No. Yeah. Like, I think to your point, like uh, if we're talking about just like you're you're teaching an online class or you're working on it, think through where do you have students introduce themselves? Um, it may seem like a small thing, um, but like, for instance, in, in us, uh, our program, stuff we set up, we always have an introduction discussion in our online courses, um, and we allow students to either like post a video about themselves or write about themselves, but the, the goal is to introduce themselves, and it's in that space that you can use that they can introduce, trust me, if they, if their name is not what it's supposed to be in the LMS. If you allow them to introduce themselves with their name, they will tell you uh, that it is something different. Yeah. Um, and so like, uh, just give them that space to do that. Um, and even the introductions also sets up a bunch of other things, just so like people can know the stu- the other students. Because that online space is very easy for us to kind of give uh, inhuman profile pictures to each other's face, like to yep. who they are, and not actually think of them as a person. Um, and so I think that introduction discussion, whatever it may be, uh, with each other is just a good way to kind of like pay attention to that as an instructor. Don't, don't have them do an introduction discussion and not look at the stuff that they put in the introduction. Um, like, uh, it's a minor thing, but please go watch all of them because they will be or read them or whatever you do. So, you know, you would do that in a regular first day of class, do it in an online format too. I think that kind of helps resolve some of these, these issues we're talking about um yeah
0: this is it's also so low stakes it doesn't cost you time energy it's easy now in the physical classroom there's definitely spaces where um inclusivity can be as as important as as critical right now as you know conversations on racism and conversations on um you know understanding the world as we're dealing with and responding to COVID-19 and everything that's been happening in the United States with the election cycles, like very important. Absolutely. However, there's also very simple things that we can do in the classroom that will help to manage equity, um, and equality of cu- cultures without having to touch the hot button items, right? Mm-hmm. Encouraging students to take on a practice, whether it's raising hands or what, right? Cause raising hands isn't exclusively the best method. Um, but Making a system so that students can can make sure that they do something to get into the conversation and, and have the right to join the conversation, empower them to ask questions or to speak up in class. Um, it's also, you know, I think an important thing to make sure that when you are responding to that, so if you say, students, please raise your hands to ask a question, okay, that's your practice, you need to be sensitive to the fact of calling on more people in general, even if there's mm-hmm. not that many hands going okay. up, like... I remember being in a classroom um, at a at a very large university in a class of about f- forty five students um stem related where the instructor asked a lot of questions and the students actually consistently responded to the questions, which was great, but it was almost exclusively the male students and it's just observation right I mean that's where I was in that classroom mm-hmm. that day yeah. but this is a stem field there was a pretty good split of genders in the room but um, the instructor almost only called on the male students and and it was it was it's was stunning to watch it you you just you you hope and you feel like this is not built on a bias or a prejudice but it's the truth that when we naturally respond to the first person who raises the hand, that's a selection bias because the first person to raise their hand is someone who's motivated to raise it in the first place. And so we have to yeah. be wary of the introverts, the people who are not as high functioning uh, and the people who just maybe physically raise their hand slower. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the, what you're getting at is something that we talked about before this, which is um, when we're talking about the in-classroom issues. Um, one of the things I think is just, is, is a simple thing to take on is using different practices for taking feedback from students oh yeah like I've I've had instructors who almost universally their only way of doing it is I speak hands raised I speak hands raised and it's always like the same people okay and I was one of those obnoxious human beings I was one that always had some kind of comment um like but there's a lot of people who don't right yeah. that don't do that and so it's to think through different activities that can get people talking because you there are definitely places where Um, I agree with you, Will, where it's like have a standard for how you're going to take things from students during those times where you're just kind of freely taking comments from students. But also have those group activities where students can be forced to interact with each other Um, or feel like uh, there is a sort of the stigma where, like, we don't want to call on students sometimes. I feel like we're putting them on the spot. Um, But I don't think you're doing that if you give them time to deal with the question, Um, if you give them time to think about it. Like, I'm going to feel less awkward asking you out of nowhere to give me an answer if i gave you like five minutes 10 minutes to think about my question and write down some ideas so like think about that like how do you get people who like one thing i always struggle with is i i hate being called on because i hate being asked a question and not having time to actually think about the answer um like it's not because i wouldn't give you a good answer it's just because like i don't i don't like to have to think on the spot um about you what want time i'm going to tell prepare. You. yeah i want <laughs> time to prepare so think about that uh, vary that in the classroom i think uh, now real quick before we jump too far off of online i do want to mention one other thing and then i want to come back to in classroom stuff just real quick um is that uh the only other thing i would throw out is think about uh for online for inclusivity the other thing that i think a lot of people don't think about is what resources and things they're providing to their students Ooh, so um yeah like cool. we talk about accessibility a lot um, and we have to deal with it in our space um but the amount of times i've had instructors just kind of like throw up a PDF or throw up a document without actually thinking about whether all students could access that thing. Right. Um, and uh, now granted, in our instance, we have a lot less of like a student population that we need to deal with a lot of accessibility issues, but it's it's growing and it's always an issue and we should be careful to think about that. So think about can a student use this resource? Can somebody who maybe would have uh, vision issues see what I'm giving them or use a tool to be able to hear it is yeah. it is it readable as we talk about which well, uh we know a tool that uh free does uh OCR which helps with that um perusal, anyway,
0: what? Uh, perusal. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> well and, and Josh one of those things that's that's so important I think accessibility is appropriately kind of immediately takes us to disabilities and and ADA and section 504 stuff like that but um, a standard of access is really important for just PDFs for students across economic contexts. Like, I don't yeah. personally own a subscription to Adobe, right? Yeah. Like, I, I I can download DC, which is the free one, but it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's not a lot of great features. Uh, I might only have a tablet. Uh, I might yeah, only have a true. MacBook. Ugh, what a Ooh, tough life that would be, right? What but like, you things. know, like people have different software, and it's something that you need to be sensitive to. Like, if you can. I think as an instructor, your materials should be available to the students directly in the LMS, so the LMS is the one mm-hmm. doing the work, and they don't need another yeah. another tool to load the materials for you. Or, um, you know, if you've got a content system like Google Drive or Office three sixty five or whatever with OneDrive, like put the materials in those platforms because those platforms are just a link and that'll open on anything. And, and so yeah. there's this, those kinds of things like from readability and, and, and accessibility, at like a technical level to just like making it easy for your students across context to get your materials very important. And, and it's an, it's a practice of inclusivity because if you put your soft, if you required all your students to access your course materials uh, on Netflix, for instance, not all your students can pay for Netflix.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, we've like, had you know, that somebody, issue. Yeah. We've had that issue. <laughs> Um, somebody listening to this is going to be like, who does that? It happens. Okay. Yeah. Um, The amount of times I've seen people be like, go to Netflix, start an account, watch this video. It's like not, not everybody has like, that everybody has the ability to do that because um, netflix requires it, a, or, like,
0: a subscription yeah. if you do the trial that's fine but it still requires data some students only do their work on their phones yeah. and mobile data and like and and data might not yeah. be consistent they might be sharing data with six other family members in the house and can't stream a movie like you, you just yeah. don't know
1: again i think the whole point is just to if i'd encourage like we have a whole office that does this for our online courses but i know there's a lot of people who aren't, aren't in this situation so it's um it's to think through what is the best way to get this to my students so that they can use it and so everybody can have equal opportunity to the resources and things i'm providing um and it's a student first mentality instead of a what's the easiest solution for me um in the course and that's i know instructors don't always come in with that intention um, but sometimes we do kind of fall into that without realizing it we're kind of like okay Throw up this resource, throw up this, throw up this, we'll do this because it's easier for me to just pull whatever I have on my computer and put it in instead of carefully thinking through is this a, if all my students came here, are all of them going to have the equal ability to access this? Um, now, some of your institutions may set standards for what students should have technology wise, and that's great. Then you use those as kind of your base, but. If you don't, I think you have to to work from that. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to get too far into that. I think there's a lot of areas we could go in, in that space. So
0: here's a quick like encouragement slash consolation as we're dealing with this. Uh, Josh and I have worked with dozens, may- maybe at least 200, 300 different faculty. I don't know. We've probably worked with hundreds of different faculty. Yeah, we've worked with a lot of different people. in our careers to date. Um, I will tell you, I think I've met one bad guy. I've, I think I've yeah. met one person in all those people who literally is just like, I don't care. You can't make yeah. me. So none of what we're trying to say is pointing the finger at the majority of instructors. We know you care. We know you want to do this. Yeah. I think this is one of those things where if you take some of these simple practices, you can just make the learning experience so much better for all mm-hmm. of your students. And that's really yeah. a universal design for learning principle. But what I, my, my quick metaphor is you're not bad guys you don't you're not the villains right but don't be a henchman right you don't need to be accidentally <laughs> or, or yeah. incidentally being a part of the problem when we can do some pretty easy things to uh, to be a part of the yeah. solution now what I what I would like to say is across all of this um, to find the best solution we really need to make sure we have a map you know if you want to cool. get to where you're going
1: I'm a map I'm a map I'm a map. Um, is that like two things for is it I'm a map? I don't I'm the map. I don't, I don't know, but you, I don't know. You just I, like I'm
0: usually the one that sings and yeah, so you just it. I don't, do it, very I was often. Like, I don't do it very often. That's it's, perfect. You know?
1: It's my favorite show
0: No, I think that it's it's important, like we're trying to give you takeaways and ideas for how you can be, you know, generate a more inclusive classroom through simple practices, stuff you can do tomorrow, but but it oftentimes requires a little bit of intentionality, some reflection. Some direction. uh, Some direction. And what better map to use than equity maps, right? Uh, Our tool today is an apple ipad app uh so there's our first limitation it is only on app ipad last time i used it i don't know if that's been updated or not Uh, that
1: is still true i double checked it before we did the episode um and uh, i only thought now that uh we're talking about a tool that should be inclusive for all people and it's (laughs) only apple so um (laughs) equity maps get with the program yeah get Um, equitable um (laughs) get equitable
0: what i what i really want to why i really care about this tool and wanted to put it up regardless of limitations, is that one of the things that's really important as we deal with inclusivity, as we deal with equity, um, you know, this this moment in time is is really important for everyone to be working on diversity, equity, inclusion. but we don't always know how to start. And it's not very easy to identify where the problems are. It takes a lot of reflection. Yeah. And frankly, as we said at the beginning of this episode, Josh and I didn't know much and, st- and still can't say we know too much about other cultures, but going into another culture did help us gain perspective. Well, a tool like equity maps can really help you gain some perspective on your classroom. It's not the end tool, it's not the only tool. If you can find another one great, but in practice, it lets you create a a visual map on your iPad on your on your on, your, on the app itself of your classroom, of your students. And as you hold a discussion, right, it's actually intended to be done through like roundtable discussions or specifically a Socratic seminar style discussion. Uh, You are supposed to map out everyone who's a participant. And as you talk, either the instructor or a third party should be monitoring who talks and who they talk to and use the app to track it all. And so by the end of the discussion, the equity maps gives you a report on how many times John spoke and how many times sarah spoke and how many times josh spoke to will and how many times will spoke to sarah right this is stuff that naturally happens and frankly is is insignificant until you track it and you reflect on it and notice that um timothy never spoke and priya spoke once and was immediately interrupted by john right these yeah. are things that start to highlight for us what could be happening in the dynamic experience of the classroom and can maybe help us identify people to um, empower and highlight their voices and other people to help uh, curtail and redirect their voices to create a more equitable space for ideas and exchange of ideas
1: yeah and as you're doing it here like i have a visual up on my other screen of the tool and uh so like what what it's showing essentially and i know will you have a little bit more experience with it than i do but it's, it's a fairly simple concept which is that like you know we have a group of people up here and as they're talking you're doing this and it's showing lines of connection between those people and what'll start to show up right is uh like you know like will said you know will and josh are talking a lot there's going to be dark lines going between them a ton as opposed to sarah or you know batman um who are not talking <laughs> a lot with each other <laughs> um like right you know because batman's a loner uh, and a superhero yeah, and sarah doesn't like to talk he's, to people dressed like bats he's not even um, in the circle yeah, he's I not even mean, in the circle. He's in the dark. Um. So, but anyway, you know. But seriously, so to show you that kind of conversation, because I think it's easy in a classroom to lose track of who's talking more than others. I think to your comment about the the instructor who was calling on guys more often than uh, women, it's it's not necessarily that he was doing that on purpose. It might have been he wasn't thinking about it and it was like just a reaction for him. It right. might have been those people raised their hands faster. You don't know. The reality, though, is that like a tool like equity maps. It's simple. You just pull it up. Uh, Like, to your point, like, you can do it or somebody else in the classroom can do it. Um, And uh, it just, I think, is an aid for you for two reasons. One, during the conversation to be actively paying attention to who's not talking as much and not use it as, like, a punishment tool to be like, oh, you person, you are not talking a lot. How dare you? But actually, to your point, empowering them to talk more, right, Um, and uh, empowering them to engage in the conversation, um, and so you can use that tool to be like, oh, well, okay, Sarah's not talking a lot. Sarah, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, what do you, what do you think about what Dave said? Um, Dave is a new person that just joined the class, if you guys aren't following. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, like, welcome, you know, what did, what did Dave say? Yeah, you know, welcome, Dave. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And to, to start to bring those people in. The other thing that I think I love about the idea of an equity map tool is it's good, like you said, Will, for after class. Um, to also over time evaluate who is not engaging as much um, and you have a line in our notes when we're talking about this stuff but this idea of inviting our students back in with engagement practices so you can use a tool like equity maps to see who's not engaging and think about okay what practices can i bring into the classroom to get sarah and dan to engage more okay maybe it would help if dan stopped showing up to class late um you know like <laughs> stuff like that dan um, right? oh my gosh gosh God. dan what a joke. <clears throat>
0: No, but I, I think that the point you're, you''re you're getting to is is phenomenal and it really synthesizes a good bit of what we've suggested so far this episode. Like if you use equity maps, you determine there's a deficiency in the social practices in your team. so certain people aren't speaking, certain people aren't speaking to other people, whatever the issue is, then institute a new protocol. Yep. Create a protocol that says when we do discussions, we're going to break into smaller groups and they have to rotate every time. Or when we do discussions, you cannot ask a question or speak to the same person you've already spoken to until you speak to somebody else, right? That's actually a rule in the Japanese game of Go. You cannot take a piece and change the board so that it would look exactly as it did before this turn. So you always have to do something that looks different on the board, right? And so I think something to think about that way for a classroom is... Dave, I know you're new to class, but you need to be the first one to speak to Sarah. And Sarah, once Dave speaks to you, you've got to speak to John. Like, yeah. it's it's not math, rocket science here. And it's it doesn't need to necessarily even be as trite as that. But if you identify an issue, just just create a protocol. You don't have to write a treatise. You don't have to nail theses to a wall. You don't have to <laughs> call students out either. You but just say, <laughs> Josh is over here like, I got, I got my hammer and nails I'm ready. Fine. Okay? I'm
1: good. I'm good with nail and treatise. Yeah
0: yeah treat us treat 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 die treat, treat i to treat- oh, yeah. yeah, you know. let's
1: leave this conversation we
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know i i think equity maps great tool uh, i think it's free or really cheap on the apple ipad like you only need to buy one app of it too it's it's not a yeah, hard download, tool to integrate
1: download looks free um on there i'm trying to you know, all of our prep guys. We just we did so Well, and I've
0: um, I've looked into it like years ago. It's like one guy yeah. who made the app. It's really useful. I know some teams who have used it to do some research. So, what my biggest encouragement to you is consider what it could do for your classroom and helping you identify any sort of um, unconscious bias or selection bias that's at play. And, and identify and reflect on ways you can improve your classroom experience. Make your classroom more um, available, more equitable to all your students. I think pricing it's just easy. real
1: quick for those who are curious. Um, the because uh, it's amazing what happens when you click on a uh, FAQ help section on their website. <laughs> um, it would have been really great for us to do that ahead of time. Go high tech podcast. Uh, so uh, just uh, the pricing um, it does it's it, they don't have any subscriptions or reoccurring fees. It's just payment for the app download. Um, cool. So it's, it looks like it's uh, yeah. like one ninety nine. I think you download and then there's a standard version for one ninety nine that allows up to like twenty participants twenty participants, and then it looks like it's like eight ninety nine to go up to like forty people. Um, so and again, those participants are the people we're talking about in these meetings that you're tracking. So um, yeah, I think again, that's not bad for an app like this. I mean, again, it's not yeah. it's not a ton and it's of a features. It's a one time fee. Not, it's f- yeah, it's a one time fee. It's not a subscription fee. And, uh, again, this is not something you're going to be – this isn't some complicated app or some of the bigger apps that we've talked about where there's a lot of features. It has a very focused uh, intention, but I think an intention that's really universal across a lot of different courses and classrooms um, for use. And so, uh, again, I think it's like to your point, Will, it's just uh, like we've talked about this in a couple episodes before, but the amount of instructors who I think just – get annoyed at the students who don't participate more. And they're just like, oh, your grade's lower. And it's like, there's actually reasons for sometimes why people don't participate. It might actually be that your, your classroom's not welcoming certain types of people to respond. And Absolutely. So let's not only criticize the student, let's take a second to use a tool like Recording Maps and actually evaluate how conversation is going and start to change our techniques to foster better inclusive conversations within the classroom so that we can get that diversity of voices inside our classroom. Yeah.
0: So, well, I, I just love it. I think this is something that um, is not only a thing that's happening in our society into this time, but it's something that we should care deeply about as we relate to one another. And as I said before, the classroom should be a space where we can get to do things safely. And so if our students um, are feeling unsafe or uncomfortable in the classroom, we know that at the very least they're, be, they're They have less motivation to act and they have less motivation to learn but altogether yeah. it's not as good of a space for them to be in and we want to create uh, the optimal space for learning so here's yeah, that's our sure. ideas today about how you might accomplish it
1: <laughs> how you might so thanks guys for joining us a- another week check out equity maps um if you uh listen to this episode and you have other ideas for creating an inclusive classroom uh, we meant it like actually reach out to us um you know we're going to start mentioning this more and more but we do have social media things. You Absolutely. Know, we, aren't, we aren't ancient. Um, our so,
0: inbox, our email inbox is inbox at high tech us, right? Inbox yes, that at that our goes website. to our ads.
1: wonderful assistant um well us. Um <laughs> no, us. <laughs> um, no. So uh yeah you can you can message us there or uh, hit us up on Twitter at uh, high tech podcast. High
0: tech podcast.
1: Right? Yeah. Sorry, I realized I was like I haven't looked at our mention for a while. I should know that off the (laughs) top of my head. I don't. Um, So at High Tech Podcast, check us out on Twitter. It's where we drop a lot of information about our episodes, but feel free to uh mention us or uh, dm us on twitter and we'd be happy to talk with you guys about other ideas i'm sure there's more that we could talk about later on about this conversation so but either way we appreciate you uh joining us on this initial journey into an inclusive classroom uh and how we can harness some technology to actually aid us in doing that uh in our classrooms Um, so appreciate it again guys uh and see ya
0: see ya